You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Hello, friends. So thankful that you can join us this morning. Whether you're tuning in online at home or listening maybe in your car later on the podcast or catching us on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're at, we just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Things have looked quite a bit different over the past six months. The world has literally been turned upside down. On top of everything that's happening with the pandemic and coronavirus, it's an election year. School just got started back up. That's a big challenge right there. Do our kids go in person or do they hybrid? Do they go online sometimes? They're in class on the other days. I don't know what it looks like for you, but 2020 has turned out to be one challenging year. I don't know for you if it's just kind of been okay. Maybe it's been really difficult. Maybe you can't wait for the ball to drop on New Year's Eve and welcome 2021 and hopefully a little bit better of a year. But wherever you're at in that spectrum, I think we can be honest and say that it doesn't really come down to just a pandemic and coronavirus that's made this year difficult. Yeah, it's complicated things. And yeah, wearing a mask is no fun and the risk of of getting sick is definitely something to take serious. But even without a global pandemic, even without something that's as challenging as what we're living through right now, life is difficult. I think we can all agree on that, that it doesn't take a global pandemic for life to be challenging, that life is hard, and that many of the things that we're facing right now, and I think might be, let's say, exaggerated a little bit, or it might be complicated by the situation that we're in with the pandemic, but if we're honest, a lot of things are just difficult. Relationships, marriage, raising kids is difficult, even if there's not a pandemic. Job situations, relationships, whatever it is, whatever we're facing, life can throw us a lot of challenges. It can throw us a lot of curveballs, even a lot of things that we're not expecting in the moment. And as I want to share with you today, I think that the pandemic has kind of changed things somewhat, but life is difficult and kind of our routines have changed a little bit and maybe affected you in different ways. I know for me, one way that uh, I've been affected is that I got pretty good at having a morning routine where I would work out and exercise and have been a member of a gym for, for some time, some years now. And matter of fact, even uh, had a new gym that opened up by our house uh, last year was excited to be get a membership there and start going and have that regular routine and that opportunity to really exercise for me. Um, having that spiritual discipline, you know, ties into having disciplines for me and just trying to stay healthy, um, trying to, you know, maintain some physical health, that mental health, um, and even that spiritual health that goes into having that routine. And um, as you know, when the pandemic hit, everything shut down, everything closed, everything started to look really different. Um, and so I couldn't go to the gym anymore, um, started getting out side a little bit more. And I was running in something that I do. I'm not running really quick unless something's chasing me. And even then, I probably don't have much of a chance. But started um, cycling, started riding a bicycle. And we live close to a couple of the trails. Montour and Panhandle Trail aren't too far away. And um, started riding on those, something I started to enjoy to do. And Early on, when I was uh, first getting back on the bike, honestly, I hadn't ridden much since I was a teenager. It was a long time since I had rode a bike. And it is true what they say. Uh, once you learn to ride a bike, you don't forget. At least for me, that was the case because it had probably been, oh my goodness, 20 years since I had really ridden a bike. Uh, and so early on in the journey, 
was riding a bike and someone was kind enough to lend us a trailer for our kids. We have girls, um, small children, and thought it'd be cool to take them out on the trail. You know, me riding the bike and them in the trailer behind you, the little Cora, who at the time was um, three years old. And we're riding, uh, and I don't know if you've been on trails before, but typically wherever the trail intersects a road, um, where traffic, where cars will be going, there's these barriers. Now these barriers might be made of wood, they might be made concrete, they might be metal posts. Um, they're all different things, and they're spaced out kind of close so that a car can't get onto the trail, which is good. It protects you, right? It's something that you want those obstacles there to keep traffic and ATVs and those sorts of things from getting on the trail and getting someone hurt, causing an accident. Um, but I don't know if you've ever been on a trail before. They can be a little bit intimidating because they're kind of close together, even for a bike. And so I wasn't very experienced, and I'm riding on the Montour Trail, and I've got the little trailer behind me, and I was going really slow as I came up through them, and I thought I had the space, but I didn't. Um, the rear of the trailer didn't quite make it through, and I just was going through slow and just jammed through there. Um, it stopped us in our tracks. I came off the bike, um, straddling the center of the bike, and poor little Cora in the back got jarred around a little bit. No one was hurt. Really, the only thing that was hurt was my pride, my ego, um, as all the walkers and people coming the other way on the trail, it was a busy day on the trail, uh, all saw me do this, uh, and it was kind of embarrassing. Um, but even after that, after I didn't have the trailer, when I would be riding on the trail, I would notice that I would get really nervous when I would come through these barriers. And I was always afraid that I was going to hit one. I found that I would kind of like swerve a little bit and try to you know, make sure my handlebars were far enough away and that I wasn't gonna hit him with my pedal when I was going by and it really, you know, kind of got crazy. I'm like, man, I'm going to run in to one of these things. But then I began to notice something. I noticed that if I changed my focus from the obstruction, if I changed my focus from the thing that I was afraid to hit and kept my eyes focused further down the trail, really focused where my wheel was going, that all I simply had to do is keep pedaling. Yeah, I slow down and stop where the roads are, but just to make sure I focus on where I'm going rather than on the obstruction, the obstacle, and then something amazing happened. I stopped shaking when I went through. I stopped swerving and driving all crazy. I stopped being fearful that I was going to hit them all the time. Why? Because I changed my focus what I was looking on. I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that before, but it gave me this big aha moment. It's almost like the Holy Spirit began to speak to me that I do this in so many areas of my life. That instead of being focused on what's ahead, being focused on what I'm shooting for, the goal ahead of me, or where I'm going, so many times in life, the obstacles or the distractions, the thing that might cause me to wipe out is where I put my focus instead of where I'm going. And it began me on this journey of thinking of how this is really true, not only when I'm riding a bike in, in my life, but even in my spiritual life and even what God does for me. Now, there's someone who really did does a great job of illustrating that for us, and it's a guy of the name David. Now, you might have heard of David, became a king in the Old Testament, really great stories. God used him to do amazing things. Um, you probably know him from a very famous story of David and Goliath. That's who we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about David taking down 
the giant. Now this is really exciting stuff and honestly it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible and there's so much here, there's so much meat, there's so much we could unpack, so many things that I think we can learn from this story. I think sometimes we relegate these stories that, to Sunday school or VBS or that's a, a nice kid's story but the truth is that if you dive in and begin to read these, I promise you God will begin to speak to you. And so this is your challenge. Matter of fact, I got some homework for you this week. I want to challenge you, I want to give you some homework to read 1 Samuel 17, the whole chapter. It's not long, but it's the story of David and Goliath. Now, some of you are saying, I work from home already, so everything's homework. Well, here's something else for you to do. And now that kids are back in school and they've got homework and maybe they're at home and everything's homework for them, I don't know who you are with that, but I want to challenge you. I'm going to throw that out there. Read 1 Samuel 17. It won't take you long. It'll take you just a couple minutes. But I want to encourage you to read that and maybe get a little more from the story than we're going to be able to dig into today. But the story is about two different militaries, two different armies, two different peoples who are facing each other in battle. The people of God, who were the Israelites, they were God's chosen people, the people who were following after and serving God, making his kingdom known here on earth. And then there was another group of people who they were battling called the Philistines. Now, these were people who were not following after God. Matter of fact, God would consider them enemies. And so here they are facing off in battle. The king at that time was a guy named Saul. And so Saul is facing this army. They're out in the battlefields, if you can imagine it, on two different sides, facing each other, standoff in the valley, right? It's just like one of those picturesque military battle scenes of old, and they all got the swords and the spears. It had to be quite a sight to see these nations facing off to each other. But something that the Philistines had was a secret weapon. They had Goliath. Now, Goliath, the Bible says, was a giant. Matter of fact, it says he stood over nine feet tall. Goliath was a big boy, right? He had some big boy strength on top of that. It says that the armor that he wore was huge. Matter of fact, the vest that he wore, the chainmail, it weighed over 125 pounds. It is a huge jacket. This tip of his spear, just the tip of it alone weighed 15 pounds. Some of you are like trying to flail whale that thing around. I mean, that thing had some serious weight to it. It says the shaft of his sword was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam. I have no idea what that means. But a weaver beam must have been something huge because Goliath was a big boy. He had a big shield. It said he had an armor bearer that went in front of him. That guy had to have been huge carrying his shield. Imagine he's got his big sword, the huge spear that he carries around, all this armor, and he comes out and he starts intimidating the Israel army. He starts intimidating God's people. And he starts talking trash and talk, starts talking smack to him. He says, hey, you know what? Our armies don't even need to fight. You just send out your best person, me and him will have a duel, and whoever wins will win this battle. And basically says, if we win, you're going to be our slaves. You're going to serve us. But if I lose, we'll serve you, knowing there's no chance. Who's going to face this guy? And they were afraid. They were terrified. The king wouldn't even go out and face him. Matter of fact, they would run every time that he would come out and talk like that. Every time he would talk down and talk smack and talk fear, they were, they were cowering in fear. Like, who's going to take care of this guy? But then enters the scene, lowly David, the shepherd boy. Now, if you can picture this, David is a shepherd boy taking care of the sheep, taking care of his dad's flocks. Now, David's got some older brothers, but they're doing their duty and they're serving in the war. Matter of fact, they're on the front lines. They're supposed to be fighting and they hear Goliath talking this. And so dad, his dad sends him and says, hey, I want you to take this food, take this cheese. I want you to go make sure your brothers are well fed. They're well taken care of. And then just simply get a report and bring it back to me so I can know what's going on to know that they're okay. I mean, he's a 
dad who cares about his kids. So David does this, that, finds someone to watch the sheep for him. He goes down to deliver the food. And when he delivers the food, he sees Goliath come out. And he hears Goliath talk this trash and, and talk down to the people of God. And he, he can't believe it. He's like, who, who is this guy that talks about God, the living God's army? Who, who is this guy that would dare speak such terrible things? Like, isn't someone going to do something about this? And some of the soldiers tell him, well, we're all scared. Have you seen the guy? But matter of fact, the king said that he'll give a reward to anyone who can take him out. You can get married to one of his daughters, and even better than that, you and your family will never have to pay taxes again. Come on, somebody. What an award. I'm sure some people are trying to figure that one out. I mean, King Saul was cunning there. He's got the lovers, right? He's got them covered, and he's got the bean counters in there, too. The award just covers all the bases. And so David hears this, and he's like, I I can't believe this. Like, someone's got to do something. Well, his brothers get mad at him. Oh, you're just here to see the war, and you need to go home where you belong, you little shepherd boy. You don't belong here in the battle. And and so the word gets all the way to King Saul that this guy is out here saying he can take care of it. So they bring him before the king, and the king's like, "Uh, are you crazy? Look at you. You're just a kid. And Goliath is huge, and he's been warring since he's been a young child. I mean, he, he came out of the womb. That kid probably weighed like 22 pounds when he was born. His poor mom, right? And he's just, how are you going to possibly take him on? And David tells him, you know what? God's been faithful to me. I take care of my dad's sheep, and I have to protect them. And there's been a lion that's came, and there's been a bear that has come. And basically, he says, I took him down with my bare hands. But it wasn't me. It was God who gave me the ability to do this. I'm not doing this in my own strength. And he says, because of this, I know God will deliver this Philistine, this Goliath, this giant, into my hand. Now, this speaks to the desperation. King Saul sees this, sees this kid. I mean, how desperate do you have to be? But he says, you know what? Before you go take him on, here's my armor. Gives him the king's armor. Here you go. Here's my shield, my sword. I'm going to put it all on. Can you picture this? Small little David, the shepherd boy, puts all this armor on and gets it on. He's like, this, this just isn't going to work. This isn't me. I'm not really used to it. This is, this is not how I've done it out in the field. Gives him all the armor back. Simply goes and collects a few stones, gets his slingshot, and he goes out to face the giant. Now you can imagine this picture and seeing this going really well. That they send out to Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, their secret weapon, the man who's been taunting them day in and day out. And here comes tiny little shepherd boy, David. No armor, no sword, no spear, a couple of rocks and a slingshot. This should go well. This should go down the annals of history of someone that David became a bug on the windshield of history. But that's not exactly how things go down. As we see here in 1 Samuel 17, starting in 41, this is how Goliath responds when he sees him. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at the ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. I mean, can you just hear the contempt in Goliath's voice? Like, he's saying, send your best man over here. And who am I? I'm a dog that you're coming at me with a stick? This is a joke. I'm about to wipe you out. I'm about to cream you, kid. It is over. Then I love this. Listen to David's response. 
David replied to the Philistine, You come at me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Woo! David's got some strong smack talk in the game. Goliath came in hot, but David just took it up and ratcheted up another level, and it's about to go down. I can't imagine Goliath's blood boiling at the moment when he hears David just being so bold, being so defiant to someone who is so physically much larger and can take this kid out in battle. But if you know the story, things go David's way, just as he says. As David begins to run towards Goliath, begins to come out towards him, David takes the stones and he puts it in the slingshot and he swings it around and throws it in the air and hits the giant in the head and knocks him down. And then he goes over and takes his giant sword, as big as a weaver's beam, whatever that means, his giant sword, and he chops his head off. And at the sight of this, all of Israel's army is just energized and they triumphantly shout and begin to chase down and overcome and take over and beat and whoop on some Philistines. And God delivers the people of Israel, the people of God, his people, simply because a small shepherd boy was simply able to believe that his God was able Not by the sword, not by the shield, not by the javelin, not by the weapons of war at that time, but saying simply because God says, we're going to win this. Now, I know that seems pretty intense. I know that's a a big story and it might seem like, well, that's, that's really cute, something to teach to our kids, but there's some really powerful lessons in this. And while we can't get to them all, here's something that I really want us to focus in and drill on today. It's this idea, is that everyone Everyone at that time, they had their focus on how big of a problem Goliath was, but David had his focus on how big his God was. You get it? Everyone there, the king, all of the armies, all of these soldiers, all these brave men, all these people who were willing to put their life on the line for this nation, everyone who believed in what they were fighting, they were so concerned. Matter of fact, it said when Goliath would begin to speak, they would turn and run in fear. They were so focused on how big of a problem Goliath was, but David was focused on how big his God was. He didn't come in measuring it up and say, well, you know, he's this big, so I don't know if it's going to work out, and I'll get the slingshot and some trajectory, and he does some quick trigonometry and figures the whole thing out and calculus and woo, you know, figure. no, he's just simply, my God's big enough to take care of this. If God wants us to win, then we're going to conquer and overcome. It doesn't matter how big this guy is. See, he began to change his focus from the problem to who his God is. Kind of like how I began to change my focus when I was riding that bike to the obstacle and the obstructions around me to where I was going. We've got to begin to change our focus. So friends, I want to just stop here and I want to ask you, What is the Goliath that you're facing? What is the giant that you're staring down? 
And maybe it is because of COVID and maybe because of the pandemic, you, you feel some unrest and some certainty and, and frustration and just really ready for this to all be over and get on with life the way it was, or I don't know. And, and maybe for you, it has nothing to do with that. Maybe it's something to do with a relationship or marriage or trying to be a parent and difficulty with kids or another relationship, or maybe it's finances or maybe physical sickness in your body or depression or loneliness or fear, or anxiety. I, I don't know. Maybe it's legal issues. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe even just simply a lack of faith or trust in God. I don't know what the Goliath is that you're facing, but I know one thing is true in life, that we will face giants. We will face difficulties. Matter, Jesus himself said, in this life, you will have trouble. That coming to a relationship with Jesus, putting our trust in God, does not give us a pass on the difficulties and trials of life. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. No one's promised tomorrow. We will go through difficulties. We will face trials, but it's what we simply choose to put our focus on. So friend, what is it for you? What is the giant that you're facing? What is it that you are staring down? What is it to you that seems impossible? What is the thing that you need to begin to change your focus from? From whatever that thing is, whatever that relationship, whatever that goal is, whatever that financial need, whatever that job, whatever it is, what is it that you need to begin to change your focus from? And maybe you're saying, Brian, it's impossible. There's no way this is going to happen. I've tried. I've tried for years. I've prayed about it. I've tried to do all the right things. I tried to get help. I tried to knock on the right doors and see the right people and do the right things and go through the right motions and say the right prayers, but nothing seems to help. It doesn't seem to get anywhere. It just seems impossible. And friend, I just want to challenge you and remind you of the words of Jesus himself when he said this in Matthew 19, 26. Humanly speaking, you know what? You're right. It is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. See, don't you love what David said? David wasn't like, look at me, look how big of a boy I am. Look, look how I am awesome. I'm going to take this guy down with my physical strength. No, he, he tells Goliath straight up, I'm not going to beat you with a sword and a spear. Matter of fact, I don't even have one. I got a couple of rocks. Watch out. I'm going to beat you because God says I'm going to beat you. Because God said that this war is over. God says we are going to have the victory. And see, when I think about it in my life and I look back at all the many challenges and trials and even the things that I'm currently going through, I can't help but be reminded of the ways that God got me through in the past. I know if you've been around Treeline at all, you've heard some of our story and you've heard me share some of the things in our history and we're going to be two here in a couple of weeks. We're going to get together at Cecil Park the last Sunday of the month. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be awesome. Hope you can join us. But man, getting to that point to where we launched that church two years ago was an incredible amount of work. Matter of fact... We were staring down a Goliath. We were looking at a giant. We were looking at something that was impossible. And we're looking at just like he had all the goods. He had the the size, the strength. He had the weapons. We're looking back at all the things we don't have. We don't have the finances. We don't have the people. We don't have a location. We don't have a plan. We don't have partners. We don't know what we're going to do. It just looked like an impossible task. And friends, as we led up to that, and even when we first launched, I began to be so fearful. And so afraid, and I guess kept my eyes on the obstacles and the things that we didn't have and the things that we didn't know how it was going to work out. All we had was a promise and just a belief that God said, hey, go here, go to Pittsburgh, start a church. I'm with you. We're going to do this. And that's what we stood on. And we stood out to do that. But I'm telling you, fear began to creep in. Anxiety began to creep in. Losing sleep, feeling sick 
being anxious, being fearful, not knowing what we're going to do. Stepping out in faith, my family has no paycheck. We left two great paying jobs. We left family and friends and a community to come step out in faith and really have no safety net in place. There was no one who was going to pick up the pieces. It was just simply a blind step of faith. And that sounds really exciting, doesn't it? Sounds really awesome to do something like that for God. But let me let, me let you in on a little secret. It's incredibly scary. It's really challenging to do. But then we begin to see something. That even as my focus was not in the right place, as I begin to shift and say, you know, we don't have all of the goods. We don't have all the finances. We don't know where the people are going to come from. We don't know where the location is going to be. We don't know how this is all going to work out. We begin to see God step up, even in small ways, even in just seemingly insignificant ways, and just let us know that he was with us. Let us know that he was going to provide. That our story is being written now and continues to be that God has been so faithful every single step of the way. Wherever there's been a need, he has met it. He has been faithful. When there's been a setback, he's provided a plan. God has been so faithful. There is no doubt in my mind that God is in this journey with us. He's been faithful, that he's showed up, that he has been on time. And if I can be honest with you, you want to talk about difficulties in the world of stepping out in faith and trusting God and planting a church? Nobody had a playbook for global pandemic. I did a whole lot of reading, a whole lot of studying, and a whole lot of training to get to the point where I was ready to plant a church. And nowhere did anyone say, here's the plan if a global pandemic turns up. During an election year, here's how you should lead your church. <laughs> There's no game plan for that. Talk about a major curveball. Talk about a giant that we're facing. So here we are, Treeline Church. We were a year and a half into this thing, feeling good, like we're going to get some momentum. Some people are making decisions for Christ. People are getting baptized. Kids are excited about being here on Sunday, and we're really looking forward to Easter coming up, and we might even break our launch attendance for the first time. This is going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden, pandemic. Get that call from the school. You can't meet here anymore. No one's going to be open to meet. Everything's shutting down. We've got to figure out online church really quick. What are we going to do with small groups? All of this worry, all of this fear. Are we going to even make it? And if I can be honest with you, a little transparent, but yeah, that's scary. And yeah, that shakes you. And I know that's not something unique to me. You probably feel that. I don't know if you're a small business owner or even with your own job, with a security or a school, with your kids or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's pretty intimidating. But I found out that I had to change my focus on what I was looking on and just being focused on the problem and focused on the issue and instead putting my focus on God. Now, here's what I want us to catch today. We're not denying that the giant doesn't exist. We're not saying that it's not real and is not a threat. The giant that you might be facing, it might be incredibly significant. It could be incredibly scary. It might be capable of inflicting some serious harm. It might have a giant sword the size of a weaver beam. Someone's going to look that up and figure out what that is for me, right? I mean, it might be something incredibly scary and intimidating. It's real. It could take you out. Just like when I ride my bike, those obstructions, those little posts, it could knock me over anytime. But it's what we simply choose to put our focus on. Are we going to be like David? Are we going to be like the people in the army of Israel who were too scared to do what God had called them to do? Who were so focused on the trash that Goliath was talking, were so fearful that they missed out. And here's what we've got to catch. What is or who is the loudest voice that you are listening to? Do you know why Israel was all tied up, all knotted up, why they were so fearful? Why King Saul was oh, somewhere in a tent just chilling out, trying to figure out his game plan and was willing and desperate enough to send a shepherd boy in to do his battle? 
Because they were listening to the trash talk of an enemy, of Goliath, of this giant. He was probably his, <laughs> his specialty. I mean, he was a big boy, but the guy had a PhD in trash talking, right? He would have been a perfect football player. He would have been a perfect athlete out there talking the trash on everyone, getting in their head. And they simply began to listen to it over and over and over again until that was the loudest voice and the only voice that they believed. Who is the voice that you are allowing in your life? This is what I'm learning and what, it's something that even God's taking me through that. What are the voices that I'm allowing in my life? What are the voices we're allowing in our life? What is the loudest voice? What is it saying? Is it simply just building up the giant? Is it simply just propping up and telling the giant how awesome it is and how terrible we are and that we'll never overcome and that we'll never be able to achieve, that we'll never be able to do it, that we'll never be able to deal whatever it is, that giant that you're facing? Are we listening to another voice that says that we can? Another voice that God says that he's with us and for us and not against us. Another voice that says that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus and that we can do all things through Christ. What, what voice are we ultimately listening to? We've got to shift the focus away from our Goliath, away from our giant, away from our obstacle. We've got to shift it on to Jesus. We've got to simply stop looking and listening to all the voices in the world, everything that tells us that we're not and that we can't, and begin shifting our focus and our attention to God who says that you can and that he is with you and that you don't have to fight this battle alone, that you don't have to be big enough, that you don't have to be strong enough. Matter of fact, you don't have to have all the weapons and even play the game by the rules. You simply got to believe in who God says he is and that you are who you, he says that you are. Friends, we've got to shift the focus. We've got to change what it is that we're looking at, what we're listening to, and what we're simply believing even in our own hearts. So how do we begin to do this? How do we get practical with this today? Well, there's a few things that I want to leave you with. The first thought is this. The battle begins with your thought life. The battle begins with your thought life. What are you giving the most mental real estate to? Are you simply dwelling and thinking about that Goliath, that giant, that obstacle, that obstruction, and impossibility? Are you just giving it free rent in your mind and constantly letting it just own you and control your emotions, your sleep life? Is it just completely overwhelming you? Are you constantly thinking about that or instead are you beginning to put some self-talk, the talk in your mind? What are you giving real estate to? To your worries and to your troubles? Are you beginning to put your focus on God? Are you to put your focus on the things that are going right? Begin to put your focus on the things that God has done for you. Begin to put your focus and shift that mind. Begin to think those things, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is right. Begin to think on these. Begin to change your thinking. The battle really starts there. The second one is this. You've got to change the voices. Change the voices. Remember, Goliath was out there talking all that smack. He was talking down the people of God. And they didn't hear the voice of God anymore because they were so fearful of the voice that they were hearing of this giant. And so we got to begin to change the voices that we are hearing. What does that look like for us today? It might begin to change some of the influences. It might be start turning off the TV. Stop watching the news so much. Maybe not scrolling social media all the time. Maybe even changing some of the influences and the people around us who we give a voice in our life. Maybe it's Instead, getting around some people of God. Maybe instead of just listening to the radio, begin to put on some worship music. Begin to listen to some music that's going to edify you. 
that's going to build you up, that's going to tell you how good your God is and how great he is and how much that he loves you and believes you. Those are the things that you need to begin to change the voice. You begin to block out those things and not give, just give it over to the enemy anymore to give you that foothold and tell you that you're never going to be able to do it. You've got to change the voices. And that might require you to change some patterns. What is it that you're scrolling? What is it that you're clicking? What is it that you're watching? What are you listening to? Friends, you might need to change some voices, change some influences. Now, is it about being some holy roller uptight Christian and only listening to Christian music and reading the Bible? No, it's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you might need to change some voices and able to overcome this Goliath, this giant, this thing that you're facing. You might need to change some voices that you have in your life. The third one is this. I love this. Ask God for help. Ask God for help and then simply takes the steps as he leads. Now, why was David so confident that he was going to be able to take down Goliath? Why was he so confident? He's just rolling there and be like, you know, I'm going to take this guy down. You know why David was so confident? He was confident because when he told King Saul, you know what? Hey, I am just a shepherd boy, but guess what? God helped me defeat a lion. He was there. That wasn't me and my own strength and ability. God helped me. He was there when I took down a bear. That wasn't me. I'm not awesome and I'm just going to wrestle a bear. God was with me in that moment. And he was confident that God was going to be with him again. And see, friends, it's building that spiritual muscle, building that faith muscle, that trust in God and finding those victories in even small ways and reminding yourself that God was with you then. And if he was with you then through the difficulty, through the challenge, he will be with you now. You've simply got to ask God for help and take the steps as he leads. Where has God given you the victory? Where has God setting you free? Where has he showed himself faithful? Where has he showed up in ways that you were just certain that it was God in that moment, that it was only a God thing? And if you're like, I don't know if I can give any illustrations, here's the biggest one of all, that God saved you, that he loved you enough, that he wouldn't let you die in your own sin, he wouldn't let you go away and not have a relationship with it, he loved you, that he chased you, that he gave his life for you, that Jesus loved you so much that he gave you victory over death. He gave you victory over sin. And friends, if he was with you in that moment and he loved you enough to give his life for you, he's going to be with you whatever the difficulty it is that you are facing. The last one is this. Fourth and final point. How can we get practical? Surround yourself with other Jesus followers. Oh, come on. You're like, that's really simple. I'm ready to check out now. No, 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 no. Listen up. Surround yourself with other Jesus followers. Translation, don't do this alone. I don't know where you are in the spectrum. I don't know if you feel like and you were raised that it's wrong to ask people for help. Or maybe you feel that you're putting them off. Or maybe you're afraid of showing weakness. Or maybe you're afraid that people will reject you. I, I don't know where you are in that. I don't know if it's just a laziness thing and you just need to get over yourself and get out and be around some Jesus and make some priority in your schedule. But friends, you cannot do this alone. 
You need some people in your life who are going to come around you. And this is the beauty of the body of Christ. This is why we started Treeline Church, because we believe in the body of Christ, the unity of coming together, getting around some people who are saying, you know what? I'm not some super Christian. I don't have this all figured out. Matter of fact, sometimes I'm a big hot mess and sometimes I fail and things just really blow up in my face. But I need some people who are going to come around side right beside me, believe in me, cheer me on, hold me accountable when I need it, love me and believe me be a safe place that I can show up and be honest and let my guard down and say, I don't have this figured out. I can't do this in my own strength. I failed over and over again. I just need someone to believe me. I just need someone to speak life. I just need someone to encourage me. That is what we are meant to do as the body of Christ for each other. Friends, please, if you don't hear anything else today, catch this. Don't do it alone. You are far too precious and God cares too much about you for you to try and struggle and carry this weight alone. There are other brothers and sisters in Christ who will come alongside of you. And friends, and let me even challenge you that maybe you need to be the person who comes along someone else and helps them carry their load, help them carry their burden. Let's be the church together. Let's get involved in small groups. Let's be around each other and encourage each other and believe in each other and spur one another on in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the love that you have for us. God, I thank you that you care so deeply about us and that you care what it is that we're going through. God, I just pray for every single person listening and watching today. God, I don't know the Goliath that they're facing. I don't know what it is that they're going through. God, by God, I just pray right now that they would even now begin to change their focus, to begin to put some of these things in place, to change the voices that they're listening to, what they're giving that mental real estate to, that they're getting around you, spending time with you, that they're listening to worship, changing those voices, asking you for help and getting around community. God, I pray that they would know that you are with them and that you are for them, God, that they would begin to change their focus. Instead of listening to all the lies and all the reasons why we can't, because there will be many, Lord, but God, that we would remember the one thing and keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today. I just want to encourage you. But if you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. I don't know where you are, where you're listening. I don't know if you're in your car, in your couch, in your living room, at the kitchen table, in your bedroom, sprawled out on your bed. I, I don't know what's going on. But I know the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. No man's promised tomorrow. Don't put it off. Simply surrender your life to Jesus. Well, I haven't figured it out. I don't know about this guy. So just simply surrender your life to him. And you're just simply saying, God, I need you. I can't do this anymore. I need you to come into my life. If that's you today and you want to say yes to relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to invite you to pray, pray this simple prayer with me wherever you're at. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins, my mistakes. Come into my life. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and help me to follow you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Friends, if you prayed that simple prayer today and you believed it in your heart, we believe that you made the best decision ever. Matter of fact, the Bible says that when even one person makes a decision for Christ, all of heaven is rejoicing. So with that in mind, we want to come alongside of you and help you make some some next steps because we believe this is just the first step in a lifelong following of Jesus. So if you would just get out your device, get out your phone, and simply text the word rejoice to 970-00. You'll get a text back. We just want to come alongside you, know that you made this decision, celebrate with you, and help you make some next steps to follow him. Friends, we're so excited that you joined us today. So excited for what God's got in store for us as Treeline Church. And I know things have been difficult. We're working on some plans on getting back together. But we just want to say thank you for being here with us. We love you and we'll see you guys soon. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.